0: Welcome to the University of Missouri Extension's Truth or Trend podcast, where we do the research so you don't have to. There are so many health trends out there, it can be overwhelming to decide if it's actually true or if it's just a trend. MU Extension nutrition and health specialists and other health field specialists are passionate about helping Missourians make the healthy decision the easy decision. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Today, I have Leslie Birch here with me. She is a field specialist in nutrition and health for the University of Missouri Extension, and she's also a registered dietitian. In 2022, Leslie became the state specialist for food preservation. She is our go-to girl for all the questions that we get in the county, anything food preservation related. So for those who are not familiar with extension, and kind of our history with food preservation, each county in Missouri has a local extension office. And back in the day before we had the internet, um, you would call your local extension office if you had any type of questions regarding canning or food preservation. So we still get calls today with questions and sometimes we get some off-the-wall questions that we have to go to Leslie for and we're so glad that we have her as our expert. Um, Extension also provides some workshops that help people learn how to preserve food safely. So Leslie, tell us about your experience
1: with food preservation and how you kind of got into this role. Well, thank you, Kaylee, for having me, first of all. So I imagine probably like many people who are listening uh, to this podcast, I got started in food preservation with my grandmother. Um, I know that's an often a common thing that I hear in the classes that I teach is, oh, my grandma used to can food, or in some cases, uh, my mom, but I never learned or I only watched from afar. And that was kind of my story as well. Um, my grandmother always had a huge garden, and I would spend a lot of time with my grandmother on like, what I'll call their faux farm. Um, they were not farmers, but in retirement, they had a lot of land and my grandmother had a very large garden. And so I would work with her a lot in the garden. And then, of course, she wouldn't always have, you know, a use for all of the produce that was coming out of her garden. So she preserved oftentimes like salsas, pickles, um, and occasionally uh, jams. Um, I know she made like pepper jelly and things of that nature a lot. And occasionally, uh, she would can those products. A lot of the things that she would make, kind of in preservation, just ended up in her refrigerator, and then were, you know, farmed out to her kids' families, like my mom's uh, family or my family. But occasionally, she would water bath can, and so that was kind of my first experience with canning, is kind of watching her doing that and and providing some small amount of help. But I really got into canning when I took my job with Extension uh, eight years ago. I was introduced to how to teach canning, and I learned a lot more really about the science of canning and preserving food, and it kind of piqued my interest. This is my background as a registered dietitian. I I have an interest and kind of love for food science, and so it was something that I kind of latched on back in 2015 when I took my job with Extension.
0: So what do you feel is the most important thing to know when you're canning food? whether you are new to canning or whether you learned from your parents or grandparents?
1: So I think the most important thing for people to realize is that home food preservation and particular canning, unlike other forms of cooking, is not something where you can just kind of do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, oh, I cooked it for 10 minutes, so it must be done. You need to follow the recipes as they are written and follow the procedures Um, particularly as it relates to canning. So by procedures, I mean following the process for water bath canning or following the process for pressure canning, again, as they are written. This is not the type of, you know, cooking where you can do kind of as you feel. And that's because there is a risk for potential uh, botulism poisoning, which we can talk more about. So that's the thing that I always kind of like to impart on people is that you need to follow things as they are written
0: Mm -hmm. and it doesn't
1: pay to take shortcuts.
0: (laughs) You can't modify the recipes or substitute things and you really need to follow them back to a T. Yeah. So why would anyone want to preserve food when you can just, you know, buy it at the store? So what's kind of the benefit of canning at home? I
1: think, I think probably everyone has like their reasons for why they want to do it. You know, for me personally, like, The reason I like to do um, canning of particularly like jams and jellies and um, pickles and salsas at home is because I guess I get a lot of kind of pride of like putting that on my table and being like, oh, I made this like delicious thing. You know, from you know, the produce I picked up at the farmer's market or that a neighbor gave me or whatnot. So I know that's the reason I kind of enjoy doing it. For other people, it probably is kind of a necessity. Like many people that call me with questions, they have large gardens and they simply just can't use all of the produce, you know, when it is fresh and ripe and they don't want to see that go to waste, right? That's kind of money down the drain for them. And a lot of people will freeze as kind of their first kind of uh, experience into preservation, but, you know, your freezer space is limited um, in many cases. So you can kind of expand the space or uh, quantity that you can preserve by getting into canning. And so that's certainly another, you know, reason or benefit um, that people do it.
0: Yeah. And I've heard a lot of my participants when I've held workshops say that they just feel like it's a better tasting, better quality product. You know, there's not all the preservatives in it, you know, it's, you know, what you're putting into your food whenever you do it at home. So that's, I think that's another reason why some people might can.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I hear that a lot is like, people do have, I think, more awareness in our time right now about what's going into their food and different preservatives. And, you know, we can think about even food allergies, you know, there is um, more people who are experiencing food allergies, or even what we sometimes call intolerances. And so they can have more control, right, over what's going into their body when they produce it and make it at home. So
0: So what are the risks if you don't can food properly? The
1: largest risk is that you potentially can have botulism poisoning. So, you know, botulism is a toxin that is produced by a bacteria called Clostridium botulinum. Clostridium botulinum is of particular concern in home canned foods. Because when you can a product, you boil that product very uh, hard. Uh, You heat it to a very high temperature in either a water bath canner or a pressure canner. As you do that, you force all the oxygen out of the jar. And then the lid or what we call the flat of the jar, you know, will seal onto that jar. When you remove oxygen from the jar, that now becomes a pretty ideal setting for Clostridium botulinum to grow. So Clostridium botulinum is a unique bacteria in the sense that it only grows in environments where there is no oxygen present. It is also a unique bacteria because it's also what we call a spore former. So bacteria that force forms spores, you can kind of think of it as a bacteria that when it does not have the right conditions to grow, it forms this, what we think of as like an inactive spore is what they call it. But, you know, it's like it huddles down into its home, let's say, and it just kind of hangs out there until the conditions become ideal for growth and reproduction. And when those conditions become ideal, that spore kind of awakens from its hibernation, and it starts reproducing. Um, And in the case of *Clostridium botulinum, the ideal conditions for its growth are a no oxygen environment, a low acid environment, so that means a pH that is above 4.6 or greater, and an environment that is, you know, about room temperature and lots of water to um, grow in as well. And you think about a lot of home canned foods, let's say a can of green beans, you've boiled it, right? Or you cooked it in in the jar, the jar lid sealed, oxygen gone, sitting at room temperature, no acid. So a pH above 4.6 and the green beans are sitting in water. You now have a perfect ideal condition for Clostridium botulinum to grow. And so, When you are canning particularly low acid foods, so those are things like vegetables and meats, chicken, seafood, uh, mixture products like spaghetti sauce, all of those particular products are at higher risk for botulism poisoning if you do not pressure can them. All of those products must be pressure canned in order to reduce the risk of botulism poisoning. Other products like pickles, salsa, Fruit. because of the acidity level of those products we can help control for bot, uh, botulinum growth or botulism poisoning with that acidity and then we can therefore then water bath canning is a safe process um, for them but one thing I will say and this just kind of harkens back to following the recipes and the directions as written things like pickles and salsas are what we call acidified foods meaning they have a lot of acid added to them to make them more acidic or to make them acidified. So you've got to follow the recipes closely when making pickles and salsas because, you know, cucumber on its own, a low acid food. Onions, peppers, tomatoes mixed together would be a mixture of low acid foods. So if you don't add enough acid and you don't follow the recipe as prescribed, those foods can be at risk for botulism point poisoning as well. So hopefully that makes some
0: sense to everyone. But so I kind of want to talk about like methods of pressure canning and equipment. So we need a pressure canner, but I've seen some stuff out there about, um, instant pots claiming that they can, you know, be used in place of a pressure canner. Um, but what about like, you know, crock pots of it? So can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So if you are looking at, you know, maybe you're wanting to buy your first pressure canner, you want to buy something that is called a pressure canner. And so uh, a pressure cooker is not a pressure canner. It needs to say pressure canner in the product description uh, that you are buying. There are electric pressure canners available. An instant pot is not one of them. So an instant pot, some models do have like a canning function button on them but the manufacturer of instant pot has not ever shared any uh, research tested testing methods that they have used to say that that you know function on the instant pot actually maintains a 240 degree or above temperature for the time that it needs to in you know a a pressure canning process. So we really don't have any information to say that that is safe. And the thought of this is that it probably, it may not be safe because essentially the insulation in that Instant Pot may not be kind of thick enough or good enough to maintain the 240 degree temperature or above throughout the entire processing time. And it may cool down too quickly. And the cool down period when you are pressure canning is essentially accounted for in the the heat transfer of a jar so everything about particularly pressure canning but even water bath in water bath canning as well when we think about the processing time so that's the time that the food is being processed at you know in the boiling water or under pressure and in the case of pressure canning that processing time is all about the time it takes to get the coldest part of the jar the correct temperature, but the cool down time that you have in something like pressure canning, which is generally thirty to forty-five minutes to bring that pressure canner back um, down to uh, zero, is also accounted for in getting that center coldest part of the jar to the right temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't quit cool things, and that's why you know something like an instant pot is probably not safe for canning because it doesn't have the what we think of as kind of enough insulation to kind of hold that heat long enough. It's going to probably cool down faster than an actual pressure canner. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say though, is there are electric pressure canners on the market. We don't necessarily, um, you know, have a particular brand recommendation, though I will say this, Presto does make one. And I just always kind of say that, you know, Presto is a really reputable brand in the home canning industry. And so, I think, you know, they have to stand behind the product that they're making as being safe. And so that would just be, you know, one that I would probably give a little bit of a more of an, a look towards than maybe other brands. So.
0: I didn't know that there was even electric pressure canners out there. So are they, would they be more expensive than a regular pressure canner? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what I figured.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the Presto electric canner the last time I looked was probably about $250 to $300. Wow. So it's an investment for sure. Um, And one thing I always tell people when they're looking at, they're looking into getting into home canning um, and maybe they don't have any equipment at all. And if they think they're going to do some pressure canning, you can buy, you know, a regular old fashioned pressure canner that you use on a stove. So not an electric one. Um and that can serve as a water bath canner for you as well just by kind of leaving that lid a little bit ajar from the top not sealing on um, the lid on the pressure canner. So, you know, maybe in in some ways that ca- you can kind of kill two birds with one stone for lack of a better way of saying that by just buying one piece of equipment. Now that doesn't work with an electric pressure canner. Um if you're going to buy an electric pressure canner, it can only be used for pressure canning. Okay.
0: So, there are a lot of groups out there on Facebook and TikTok and social media they you know post recipes or use different techniques for canning foods so what advice do you have for young people who are just trying to learn and the where they're getting their information is social media or by googling things so what would you tell those people
1: okay so here's what i would tell them if if you do not know the source of the information that you are getting on the internet, then you should always be very cautious of that information. So good sources for home food preservation information are the National Center for Home Food Preservation, the USDA, and various extension services. So, you know, if you're not local to Missouri, um, then you might, you know, use your state extension services. Those are probably the top three best places to get quality home food preservation uh, information. So if the source on the internet does not uh, say where they got their information from, you should be very cautious of it. The other thing I will say to people who are new to home canning is take a class. Many extension services still offer classes on home food preservation. So as you know, Kaylee, you already said in the introduction to today's podcast, you know, you're talking about how people still call the extension offices. We still teach classes and Missouri is not alone in that. So most local um, state extension services still offer that type of education. In Missouri, we offer it face-to-face, but we also have a self-paced online course that people can take. So there are different ways that you can get that information that. Do not require you to, you know, attend a face-to-face class. The other thing I will say also is maybe you're not interested in taking a class. You can, if if you're willing to sit down and really um, do a deep dive on the National Center for Home Food Preservation's website, you can pretty much learn all the things that you really need to know from that particular resource as well
0: yeah and that's one that I go to when I get calls in the office I'll go there first they have a search bar and I just you know type in a few keywords and I can usually find whatever information that I need so I mean I kind of use that as my food preservation google
1: (laughs) yeah um they produce a book called So Easy to Preserve. And in all my canning classes, I always bring that book with me. And I kind of tell people, this is my canning Bible.
0: Yeah. So Um, so what do you tell someone if they, you know, ask you, you I have this recipe that's been in my family for many generations and we, we love how it tastes. Like, what do you Tell people if it's safe or, you know, what advice do you give them?
1: I mean, sometimes I just have to give them the hard truth is, is that I can't tell you that the recipe is safe because it's not based off of one of these tested recipes or tested methods. You know, these are the, you know, of, of the recipes that I can say I are safe are the ones that we know have been tested by the National Center for Home Food Preservation, by USDA, by a local extension office or from the Ball Corporation as well. Those are um, usually pretty good recipes as well. And sometimes people will say, well, I really want to use this. And, you know, they can send recipes off to um, various private labs or to um, what we call state processing authorities. And they have labs that can look at the recipe and kind of determine its safety for home canning. But, you know, it's a pretty steep out-of-pocket price for them to do that. So I'm not, you know, it, they would just have to determine on their own if that's financially um, doable for them yeah. and worth it to them.
0: Yeah, I recently found a recipe from my grandma who's no longer with us of with her salsa that we grew up and we loved. It's like it's sweet and it's tangy. Um, but I'm too afraid to like can it. So I just make it and I freeze it
1: and try to eat it up in a decent amount of time. So, yeah, that's another great point is like not everything, you know, necessarily you can make it and, you know, put it in your refrigerator um, and put it in the freezer. And those are, you know, other ways to kind of preserve you know, the mm-hmm. food as well.
0: So, yep. yep. Okay. Now I want to ask you, what are some fun or interesting calls that you've gotten before? Like some crazy questions that you get? Well, I
1: will say one of the, uh, I don't, I, I could probably I think about like all the different calls I get, but one that just comes to mind, um, and I think kind of reiterates um, some of what we've been talking about today is I got a I can't remember if it was a call or an email but either way a consumer reached out to me and they had made 40 like quarts I believe of spaghetti sauce and they were new to home canning so they didn't realize until after they had processed and made all of this spaghetti sauce that it needed to be pressure canned mm-hmm. and they water bath canned it and so they reached out to me wanting to know if it would any way it would be safe to eat and of course my answer was no (laughs) so that's a lot of time and I would think money that they probably spent making all of that spaghetti sauce that I'm sure like you know before it went in the jar they tasted and it was super yummy Mm -hmm. and I had to tell them to throw it all away and if you don't process something correctly, we don't even recommend saving the jars.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> a bigger bummer.
1: <laughs> yeah. So even a bigger bummer, right? Um. So that's one that comes to mind just, you know, from this past. I think that's what season. we get
0: a lot, though, is people already know that they need to throw it out, but they want us to be the ones to tell them and be the bad guys. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I always say to some people, I'm like, well, you're calling me, so you probably already have some (laughs) doubt. Um, And, you know, the motto when it comes to a lot of things related to food safety is when in doubt, throw it out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it only takes a really small amount of food is if it's poisoned with botulism uh, to make you sick and you don't necessarily have any, there are no like signs of spoilage, like for Uh, botulism so we can't know it's there unless you send it off to like a lab professionally like tested and you know that again doesn't make a lot of sense so um, just from a financial standpoint so yeah that's one particular call that comes to mind I know that that person was not thrilled with that response (laughs) yeah if you want our
0: listeners to walk away with, you know, one thing from this episode, what do you want that to be?
1: The one thing that I want listeners to walk away from this episode is that they need to follow tested and researched based guidelines. So things they find in rebel canning groups, where, you know, I think and even looking at those groups, people will blatantly say, like, I know the USDA says this, but I did it this way. And I've been doing it this way for years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've never gotten sick, they're taking a risk. And, you know, I can't say what level of risk they're taking, but they are taking a risk. Again, home canned food is a particular risk for botulism poisoning. And the way you reduce that risk is following research based tested guidelines. I'll, I'll just give one quick story back in history about a particular botulism outbreak because I think it kind of highlights uh, the potential risk. So in the 1930s, there was the, our, the country's largest outbreak and botulism in North Dakota. It was a family in North Dakota that had water bath and mixed vegetables. They'd been eating from these jars of mixed vegetables honestly, for a little while. So they had opened other jars. But on one particular instance, they opened a jar of mixed vegetables and they served it at lunch on top, like as a salad. And it sickened 13 members of that family and several of them died from improperly canned mixed vegetables. And I think, again, the thing to note about that is like they ate other jars out of that same bath and it didn't make them sick. But one jar, because it wasn't processed correctly, happened to have a spore of botulism or botulinum in it. The environment then became appropriate for that spore of botulinum to, again, kind of awaken or start reproducing. It created botulism, poisoning and it killed members of that family. And so again, you could have done whatever rebel canning process you've been doing for years and it hasn't made you sick, but it only takes one. Yeah.
0: And you know, that's why it's important to do the hard work before and researching and finding recipes that are tested because you know, you don't want to make yourself sick, but you also don't want to share it with other people and make them sick as well. Yeah. So,
1: And if you have like a young child or an older adult who has a weakened immune system, like they're going to be most at risk for, from potentially having, you know, the fatal outcome of botulism poisoning, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so, again, I would just, you know, reiterate that people need to go to those tested research based sources, the National Center for Home Food Preservation the USDA, your local extension office, and or the Ball Corporation as well. Um, Their website, freshpreserving.com provides recipes and things of that nature. So
0: yeah, all right. Well,
1: is there anything else that you want to add? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, and the other thing, you know, if you've got questions, reach out to your local extension office. We are here to help. Um, If your local extension agent doesn't know the answer, they'll reach out to me. If I don't know the answer, I have other people to reach out to that, you know, can be of help. We will, we make every effort to get you the research-based information and answer uh, to your questions. So,
0: yeah, we also have a newsletter that goes out. Um, that people can subscribe to. And you can find that in the description of this episode as well as some other um, resources that we talked about today. So um, thank you, Leslie, for sharing all of your expertise. I always learn from you every time I have a question about canning. So um, I just appreciate you coming on today. No, thank you, Kaylee, for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Truth or Trend podcast by the University of Missouri Extension. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, please refer to the show notes to see our list of resources. We've also provided a fact check where we correct statements we may have made or provided additional facts on things we missed. Don't forget to leave us a comment for future episode ideas.